Hello, this is Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband Bob. Today we'll be reading Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9, from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. So beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negeb. Here ends our reading of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. This passage is significant for a number of reasons. At the beginning of the chapter, God promises to bless Abram and his offspring. He tells Abram that his descendants will be given the land of Canaan. Later on in the story, in Genesis chapter 15, however, God prophesies that Abram's descendants will first be strangers in a foreign land for 400 years and be enslaved there. God says that he will then miraculously deliver Abram's descendants from slavery and bring them to the promised land of Canaan. These prophetic statements, which begin here in Genesis chapter 12, will later be fulfilled in the story of Moses found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. The miraculous nature of God's promise to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12 was foreshadowed in chapter 11. In Among the Genealogies in Genesis 11.30, we find the important detail that Abraham's wife, Sarai, was childless because she was unable to conceive. In other words, if Abraham was to have any descendants that would inherit a land of promise, God would first need to miraculously intervene. As we continue to read the book of Genesis, we find that God was hoping Abraham and Sarai would trust him for just such a miracle. His hope was that they would have faith in his promise. In Genesis chapter 12, we also see an early indication of a pattern that will recur throughout biblical literature. Historical events that affect the people and kingdom of Israel, Abraham's descendants, are used to communicate spiritual truths about the kingdom of God. Israel's period of slavery in Egypt, as recorded in the Old Testament, becomes a metaphor for humanity's slavery to sin in the New Testament. God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt becomes a metaphor 
for Christ's deliverance of human beings from sin. The people of Israel trusting and following Moses towards the promised land of Canaan becomes a metaphor for trusting and following Jesus towards eternal life in heaven. In the New Revised Standard Version translation, the word offspring found in Genesis 12:7 can be either plural or singular. In the Greek Septuagint, the word is singular and is literally translated as seed. In other words, God made a promise to bless Abraham and his seed. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul attaches great significance to this language. In chapter 3, verse 16 of his letter to the Galatians, Paul explains that the seed of Abraham is Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus was indeed a descendant of Abraham. Paul explains that everyone who trusts that Jesus died on the cross to take away their sins becomes a child of Abraham. Through faith, Paul explains, what Jesus did on the cross for all humanity becomes a reality in our own personal lives. I must trust that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for all the mistakes and wrong choices I have made. I must also be willing to know and return God's love and to learn to love others as I love myself. When we choose to turn away from what we know is wrong and choose to believe that Jesus died for our mistakes and wrong choices, we then receive God's gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. All those who sincerely trust and follow Jesus are referred to by Paul as being one family in Christ. In Abram and in his seed, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. This message of what it means to be a descendant of Abram is extremely important. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, called Pharisees, claimed to be the children of Abram, later known as Abraham, simply because of their lineage or bloodline. John the Baptist, a prophet who taught the people that Jesus was the Messiah, told the Pharisees that if they truly wanted to be children of Abraham, they must first turn away from doing wrong and receive God's Holy Spirit to help them live right. We find that story in Matthew chapter 3. In John chapter 8, Jesus himself confronted the Pharisees, telling them that their bloodline did not make them children of Abraham. They rejected Jesus and his message and labeled him a Samaritan. They took great pride in their ethnic heritage and believed that it entitled them to God's blessing. Jesus explained that in order to be true descendants of Abraham, they must trust and follow the Messiah that Abraham was told about, the promised seed in whom all peoples would be blessed. He warned the Pharisees that they were not Abraham's descendants because they did not believe in Jesus and because while claiming to be servants of God, they were actually planning to kill him. Earlier in John chapter 8, the same Pharisees also wanted Jesus to stone a woman to death who'd been caught in adultery. The man she was caught with, however, was neither present nor condemned to the same fate. The oral traditions of the Pharisees of that time held women primarily responsible for sexual sin. These men would project blame onto women for sexual sin and then have them put to death. 
Jesus confronted this thinking and their hypocrisy. After writing on the ground, he indicated that every man present was also guilty of sin in one form or another. The Pharisees were an all-male sect of religious teachers. Jesus then invited the first man without sin to cast the first stone. Seeing that no man was able to do this, he turned to the woman and told her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We find that in John chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus confronted the religious leaders of his day for their pride, racism, sexism, hypocrisy, violence, and murder. They claimed to be descendants of Abraham on the basis of their national identity and racial heritage. They looked down on Samaritans, and they looked down on women. Jesus sharply reprimanded them for this thinking and the violence it produced. Being a true descendant of Abraham, according to Genesis chapter 12 and related passages in the New Testament, means turning away from doing wrong and being willing to trust and follow Jesus, just as Abram trusted and followed God. We cannot say we are children of Abraham or children of God if we do not choose to reject and renounce pride, racism, sexism, and violence.